see, he's up here telling me how many he's going to beat me up. But I told him I got his girlfriend on my side, so he can keep talking all that smack he wants. Go ahead. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. All I got to say is this. And so uh, in the first worship, I was telling them my, uh, yeah, you keep cutting me off there, buddy. I'll cut you off. You know, some people we just, you know, there's some people you minister with. And then there's some people you minister to. So I just want everybody to understand that concept. So my, my daughter's birthday is today. And uh, last night, yeah, I know, isn't it great? She should give me a present. And so, uh, <laughs> is that illegal? Okay. And so what happened last night, we, we were all together, you know, as a family. We're like, hey, it's your birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's eat some cake and get fatter. And so, uh, and so she reminded me, she said, you know, Dad, like she has this flashback to when she was little. And she has this flashback. She said, I, you're right. You do love Ryan's. And I said, yeah, I do. That's great. It's epiphany. You're getting light. And she said, because I remember you left me at Ryan's. And I said, that is true. <laughs> we did. We left you at Ryan's. We left you at CSU. We left you at the mall. There's a couple places. Uh, there was bad parenting skills. But, you know, it, really, it's all true. It's bad. And, and then my wife said, well, we're... I was in the parking lot, and she's like, well, I didn't have a phone or anything. Thank goodness I saw somebody from Summit. Because, you know, Summit people are bred. And so and she's like, I didn't think I called you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it all worked out, so you're still alive. Everything's great. So, But my point being is it's scary when you think about it when somebody leaves you. It's scary to think that nobody sees you. It's scary to think that you've been left behind and there's nobody there. And then will anybody find you? In this whole sermon series, I'm so excited. Oh, I see y'all in the back. I'm killing these people. And so I, I'm, I'm so excited about the series that we've been in through Abraham because it's really been taking root in my life. And I pray it's been taking root in your life because we are looking forward, right? Hebrews 11.10, Abraham, he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. There's a lot of people that are trying to build a city, but there are very few people that's building a city on foundations. Some people are all about, I'm in this job, I'm in this, I'm in that, but they don't have a foundation. See, without Jesus, you don't have a foundation. You just have to build on what somebody else has done. The Lord, I mean, I had so I had all these sermons going through my mind. Uh, I, I could just go right now, I could just go Hebrew history and, and how you would see where they would come in and all these People would come in and they would fight and they would build on the cities. They would burn the city to the ground. They would devastate the city and they would let it rubble and the grass would grow up. Dirt would be put in and it would be called a tail. A tail. Like, the tell me. It was just these cities that were built on other cities that were destroyed and built on other cities that were destroyed. And there would become a mound of ruin and they would build a city on top of it. But Abraham wasn't building on a mound of ruin. He was building on Jesus. Changes everything. So here we are in the story. Abram is in the land of Canaan 10 years. He's 10 years, and his wife looks at him, Sarah, who's going to be changed to Sarah, looks at him and says, you don't have a son. We don't have a son. God gave you a covenant, so maybe it's through your DNA and not my DNA that we're going to have this child. So you remember Abram, when we went down to Egypt, you remember when you lied and said I was your sister? You remember we came out with all these riches? And we also got some property. And I've got this slave girl named Hagar. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go sleep with Hagar. She's going to get pregnant. 
And then her son is going to be my son because she's our property and he's going to be our son. And thereby, he, by doing this, we're going to fulfill the promise of God. So Abram sleeps with her. They have a child. And when she finds out she's pregnant before she has a child, she begins to despise. Hagar begins to despise Sarah. Sarah's like, I can't take this. I can't take it. You got to get out. So all of a sudden, they kick Hagar out pregnant. She goes running away because she was mistreated. And she comes to this well. And she's just running and there's nobody there. And all of a sudden, the Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to her. Now, the references in most, those are called Christophanies. I don't want to get too theological on you and, and, and break it down, but those are called some of those Christophanies. And so what happens is there are a lot of Hebrew scholars believe that that was Jesus through the angel of the Lord. There will be this, this actual representation of Christ. And so what happens appears to him and says, listen, I just want you to know, we see your misery. I see your misery. I see what's going on. I want you to go back to your mistress. I want to go back. I want you to go back to where you're mistreated, but I want you to know you're going to have a son. His name's Ishmael. And Ishmael is going to be a father of many nations. But I want you to know that I am with you. And all of a sudden, what's interesting in that passage is that she turns around and she names the well. She names the well that this is the well where God sees. And I want you to know that God just didn't see you today, that God meets you today. And there's a big difference. Genesis 16. Let's just read it together as we honor the Lord. Genesis 16, verse 1. And I pray today that you remember you're not forgotten. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Verse 2. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And notice she was theologically correct. She was going to build a family, not God. And it didn't work out for her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in, the, in, living in Canaan 10 years, remember God made the promise with him at 75, he's now 85. Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I have put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands. Abram said, do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said to Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ish Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. 
And he will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. And we have seen that play out today, haven't we? Ishmael, the father of Ishmaelites, the father of the Arab, Arab nation, and now Islam. That's why they battle over the land. Whoever has the land has God. She gave his, she gave his name to the Lord who spoke to her, and this is what I want us to get today. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. This is why the well was called Be'er Lahai Roi. It is still there between Kadesh and Berith. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray that I do not come with wise and persuasive words. You know my heart's cry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You know how it burns in my heart. That this is exactly what I pray over us. So when I came to summit Lord. This is my prayer. I'm just kind of adding some words in here. I do not come with eloquence or human wisdom. As I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. Except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Lord this is my prayer. I came to you in weakness great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that everyone here, their faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That is my prayer today. Thank you that you forgive us of our sins. Lord, please forgive me who I am. I feel like Paul, chief of sinners, Lord. But God, I know that you have rescued me from the depths of despair and put me into your marvelous light because of the work of Jesus Christ. And I put everything that I have, all the cards, all the chips on the table, go to Jesus. And all my bets are on him, that he is the Savior, he's the Redeemer, and he's the one who will rescue. So Lord, today I pray that you would make these words strong in us, that you would make these words powerful within us. And there would be no human wisdom, but it would be a demonstration of your spirit's power so that we would rest and trust on you. We love you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you and we look to what you're going to say. And all God's people said what? Amen. So since God has called us to look forward, here's what we have to trust in the Lord. This is my prayer that God would burn this, sow it into your spirit today. That Listen to this. And this is all on Facebook at Summer Church. So you can look at the notes. That looking forward means trusting that we have a God who sees. We have to trust that we have a God who sees. And I'm not talking about a God who's like way up past the sun, past the Milky Way, and, some, and he's looking at us. I'm not speaking of a deist. I'm not speaking that there's a God who's so far off and, oh, yeah, there's a higher power somewhere, but he doesn't interact. And I'm not just speaking just theism, that there's a God who's out there who also interacts with us. But I'm saying there's a God who comes to meet with us. If God sees us, he will meet with us. And here is what I mean by trusting in a God that sees us. I would like to sow three things. I pray that the Holy Spirit who gave me these would sow into your spirit these three things. Ready? Here's the first fact that I pray that God would sow in you. Trusting a God that sees means he knows what we don't have. 
We, it's, it's, this is powerful language. We have to trust in a God who knows what we don't have. Look at verse 2. This is the restoration language in the great meta narrative of Scripture creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Look at verse 2. This is so good in uh, Genesis 16. We see the presence of God working. Verse 2. Well, let me start with verse 1. Sorry, Gary. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Hagar is from the root word of Hebrew, means flight, run, right? Here we go, verse 2. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. God, if we believe that God sees us, then he knows what we don't have. That word kept literally means, you saw it prevented up there. It literally means this. You ready for the Hebrew word? It means to shut. It's as if God has shut off from her the possibility of having any children. God had shut it down. And there are some times in our walk with the Lord, right, that is crazy. We feel like God is shutting stuff off from us. And you're like, God, I don't understand. How can that person, how can that person have what you know I need, yet they don't give a rip about you, right? Uh, like, okay, God, I, uh, you know, I'm going to just speak my personal language. Like, I'm tired of being around people who are an athlete who say they're a Christian. I'm tired of being around people who say, oh, I'm a doctor who's a Christian. Or I'm tired of being around somebody who's a teacher who's a Christian. I'd rather have somebody who's a Christian who's an athlete. I'd rather somebody who'd be a Christian who is a doctor. I'd rather somebody who'd be a Christian who's a teacher. Because you can't add God to a mess and expect it to be blessed. What you got to do, and I got to do, is I got to submit my mess to him. And then he changes it because he changes me. So I, I get, I'm like, God, you shut me off from all this stuff. Like, why do you open doors? Come on now, let's just think. Why do you open doors for that jabroni? I'm sorry, that's Christianese for a uh, loser. All right, so, like, why, what happens there? Like, how does that person get, like, why are you shutting this thing off? I mean, then the Lord spoke to my heart when I'm thinking this. Like I'm perusing this in my heart, meditating this in my heart. And he says, trusting God, meaning trusting in a God who sees, means that just because God had kept me from something doesn't mean that he's going to always keep me from something. So what happened to her, Charles Swindoll wrote a book on Abraham, and he said what happened to her was when we get to the point of waiting, you know what we do? When we don't like waiting, and what we do is we start running ahead. We rationalize and we run ahead. We rationalize and say, okay, that's what she did. She's like, okay, God gave us a promise. Therefore, this promise, uh, something's got something's to happen here. We got to make it happen. God, you said it. Your word says it, right? We say it all the time. God, your word says it. Now let's go make it happen. The problem is that's not the way God works. And that's not the way God was meaning it there. Sarah, he said, got tired of waiting. The pressure to produce a child became too strong, so she devised a way to escape her predicament. And so here's what's interesting. Some people say, well, maybe, maybe, maybe God, I swing all talks about this, maybe God wanted them to pursue the promise rather than wait for the things to happen. God wanted her, God, maybe, maybe God wanted them to pursue when he gives you a word. Maybe he wants you to pursue it instead of wait for it. Well, here's, there's a real problem with this. There's a real problem. Go back into this in verse 2. So the reason why, she, they're not supposed to pursue it. They're supposed to wait for it. Look at verse 2. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And what does the word say? Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Was there any prayer? Come on. Was there any prayer? 
What about Abram? He could have gone over to all those places. Remember, there's a couple places we've already talked about. He made altars, and he could have offered a sacrifice. He could have said, hey, God, do you want me to do this or not? There was no sacrifice. There was no prayer. Now there was nothing but disobedience. They took it, you know, they got ahead of God. What happens? When we look forward, when we look forward, as we press into God, it's not like we're sitting in a hospital waiting for him to die going, I just can't wait to go be with Jesus in heaven. That's not what God has for you and I. That is not the, the Christian life. It's a life that we walk by faith where if God doesn't show up, we're as good as dead. If God is going to put us in places that are so broken, so jacked up, such a stretch for our flesh, that if God doesn't show up, we can't take it. And the moment we stop walking with God, we will despise the place God has us. And he'll do, we'll despise who he has us with. Because without Jesus, none of us, we wouldn't be together, would we? We'd all be in different places. So what happened is they did not, they, he wasn't supposed to pursue the promise. He was supposed to wait for the promise. He was supposed to wait for God to deliver the promise. Listen, look, look what he goes, what happens. Abraham had been living in Canaan for just verse 3. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah took his wife, to, uh, uh, took her Egyptian slaves, Hagar, and gave it to her husband, his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to what? What is that word? She began to do what, saints? Yeah, despise. I want you to know what that word in Hebrew. I want you to understand the concept of that word. All right, I'm a, listen. You've got to understand something. In that culture, it's not like they had doctors. They would rub salt on babies. Well, that sounds mean. It burns. Yes, because of infection. The baby would die. You've got to understand the culture. Here's what happened. When a woman could not get pregnant, ladies, I'm so sorry for this. This is, of course, God's redeeming. God's the greatest liberator of women. Read in the gospel, of, just read the gospels, especially the gospel of Luke. By the way, in Jesus' time, women were thought of as, as deceivers and liars, wouldn't even lie in, lie in the court of law. But who did Jesus Christ appear to first? It was women. And I believe it was a, it was a direct result because of Eve. He was trying to make a statement. Eve might be the first to be deceived, but she was the first to be forgiven. You know, tweet that. I don't even know if that was the Lord because I ain't got all that plan. But what I'm trying to say is this, is that in her culture, in that culture, if you did not produce a child, you know what you're considered? Nothing. You are property that did not bear fruit. You're useless. The culture despised you. And now, not only did the culture in Canaan despise her, but the despising and the dishonor had come to her house. And now her Egyptian slave, who she was over, despised her. She was reminded in her home what the world thought of her. She was nothing. She was useless. And she was furious. She was devastated. They didn't pray. She didn't, they didn't see her sacrifice. And so what happened was the culture, it was legal in the culture to do that. It was legal to, legal to take your, uh, your, your slave and then have a child through your slave when your wife couldn't do that. The culture said it was okay. It was socially okay. But just because the culture says it's okay and it's socially okay doesn't mean it's biblically okay. 
The culture says a lot of things today. I just want y'all to know up front that the only thing I'm going to stand with and agree with is the Bible. I'm going to agree with Jesus. Culture can say what it wants. The culture can adapt all it wants. The culture can do whatever it wants. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so God, you see what happens when you rationalize? What happens when she rationalized? It began to destroy relationships. When we try to make the promises of God in the flesh, if God makes the promise in the spirit, then only the spirit can fulfill the promise. We can't devise in the flesh. We can't do. Listen, God is not. God loves the culture, but he's not going to condone the culture. And by the way, you're going to see that God is going to really. He wants to use Sarah, not just use Abram. So while the custom of the, custom of the day might have, might have been socially and legally acceptable to do this, God rejects social traditions. Besides, this was supposed to be no ordinary birth. You see, when God calls you and I to do something, God called you here, God called you to business, God's called you to a family, and your whole family is so far from God. Listen, God causes us to ordinary, but has to do extraordinary. This was supposed to be an extraordinary birth, not an ordinary cultural thing. And she tried to make it. That's what rationalization does. We try to like self-satisfy our, our goals. What we want, we self-satisfy. We try to make things happen in the flesh. I try. I can't listen. I can't make this church become what God wants it to become. All I can do is go up here and preach my heart out, love you with all my heart, serve God with all my heart, try to be as honest and upfront and honorable in front of the Lord, prostrating myself for the Lord, say, God, whatever, whatever it is you want, I will do. But at the bottom line of the day, God has to do it. God has to do the extraordinary. I can't. And we can't. And Sarah tried to do that. And so what happened, it broke down. Abram should have said, I appreciate your idea. This is what Swindoll said. Even though our community would encourage us to have a child this way. Even though the world says, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. Have your MRS degree by the time you graduate. I want you to know if that's the ordinary, God might do something in you extraordinary. Embrace it or you'll hate it. Or should I theologically say hate him? Even though our community would encourage us to have a child this way, I know it's not right. The Lord knows everything. This is what I love. Swindoll made a great point. This is the Holy Spirit. I love this. And he gave me you, Sarah, before he gave me the promise. Woo! Did you get what I'm saying? Sarah was as much as part of the promise as Abram was. And because she felt like she couldn't fulfill her part, she tried to rationalize some way to get it done. I want you to know that God wants to use you, not you plus somebody. God wants to use you. You don't need somebody else. What we need is Jesus. What I need is Jesus. What I've got to have is Jesus. So he, that's what he should have said to her. But to rationalize, you know what rationalize means? It means to devise a self-satisfying plan that meets our needs. Rationalization literally means a self-satisfying but incorrect reason to meet our need. So we make up these reasons. I make up reasons. I try to, I try to rationalize. Well, this is what I got to do. I got to accept this job. I got to accept this job because I, I got to supply for my family. But God says, I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So, John, maybe you need to stay a little bit longer. 
So I was on the phone with a guy in West Palm Beach, Florida. <laughs> it's interesting. I get these phone calls out of the blue. So I got a phone call out of the blue uh, a couple weeks ago. They offered me this head football coach and athletic director job in Florida. Just out of the blue. I get these crazy calls, by the way. I just want you to know that. West Palm. All the way, way down there. I'm thinking, beach and Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> Freaking deal. And then this church, this big mega church. So I mean, it's a big, huge church. Where they said, hey, we want you to be like part-time collegiate pastor. I'm like, money, beach, sun, fun, close to Disney, <laughs> shot in Cuba. All this stuff. Like, you have to think, what is God saying? Things like this will happen to you. Things like this will happen to you. It's easily to rationalize. And then in my mind, I can begin to rationalize all these things, can I not? I can say, well, I didn't go looking for it. I didn't have anything to do with it. They called me. I can go do this. Here's the thing. You have to do what God says, not what man says. So when Charles Stanley in First Baptist Atlanta offered me the whole singles ministry, and by the way, Seth, by the way, David, just to let y'all know, some of y'all in here, Crystal, I could bring as many people as I wanted, starting them at $50,000 each, as many worship leaders as I wanted, as many uh, evangelists as I wanted. All these, I had all these people that I could have brought. Charles Stanley, got Charles Stanley, the older guy that's on TV, I could have, he offered me, this is eight years ago, the whole, the whole part of the wing, the whole wing of an Avon plan, In Touch Ministries, all this stuff. He said, do it all. And I'm sitting there going, oh, money? was not an option. And so I'm sitting there looking at this, and I'm going, okay. Like, I, I, I mean, rationalizing. I can get ahead of God pretty fast. And so Lynette and I were praying, and we kept getting... Well, Mrs. Humphrey's in the back over there. Corey's wife, I love, I love her. She's much better than Corey. Like I said, Corey was an elder here, so we give him a hard time. Corey's the vice president at Shorter University. He was an elder here at Summit. Love him. His, his beautiful wife's here. She's just a stud, her family. We love her family. And I just remember, she was she was teaching here at Summit Club 56. Remember that? Remember that? Hey, Troy. And, and Lynette and I are praying. We're like, there ain't been about 30 people at Summit. <laughs> they don't pay a lot of bills. I'm rationalizing right now. Like, I'm getting way out of the world. I said, I could be at a mega church. Dr. Stanley's probably going to die before me. And I'm going to get the job. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was thinking that. i got to tell the truth. I'm like, oh, okay, well, no, I don't want to die. You know what I'm saying? And uh, all these thoughts are going through my head. And, uh, you know, and I, I literally go down there and I interview. So they meet me there at, at 7 30 in the morning. I meet them at the hotel. They put me in this big hotel, nice downtown Atlanta. Beautiful hotel. This is no joke. I go to the hotel at 7 30. I turn around. This, I'm telling you the gospel truth. By, by, by 10 o'clock, they interview me at 7.30. By 10 o'clock, they say, this has never happened before. We're taking you straight to his house. I go right to Dr. Stanley's house, and he's just, like, wanting me to take the job there. So I said, I'm, I got to pray. We go back, and I'm praying, and we're thinking about Becca, and we're thinking about her class. She had all these boys in her class, and we said, Lord, uh, what do you want us to do? And we kept getting my son's little fifth and club 56 class in his little team. I'm like, okay, God, I'm not hearing you right. You're telling me to turn down a financial windfall of money, TV, 
I think I look good on TV. It makes me a little fat, but I'm okay with it. I do all this stuff. For Summit, God, are you serious? For this, like there are many people at Summit, you're, you're telling me about that client that hurt, hit my son's old team that was pretty much your class. You're telling us to stay? God's like, I'm telling you to stay. I wanted to rationalize, so we stay, and Rebecca Humphreys ends up baptizing how many eight of the ten guys on his team within the next month and a half. And so we knew we needed to stay. Because that happened and showed that people's lives were more important than my life. Rationalization makes it about me. Trusting makes it about him. So here's what happened. So what happens, rationalization brings fallout. It brings us, look at verse 4. Let's go back to verse 4. He slept with Hagar, saying she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. That word despise means this. It means that she was dishonoring her mistress. Her now, Sarah, was now in her home. What the world thought of her, she could not have a child. Therefore, she was nothing. So now, in her own house, she was despised. I mean, rationalization brings relational fallout. That's when I even talked about that. When the consequences of sin and begin to fall, relationships will always suffer. And then Hagar flees, and guess what? Nobody even knows she's missing. I mean, he even talked about it. But here's what I want you to know. God is a God who knows we don't have. When we trust that God sees us, then we also can trust that he knows what we don't have. Look at uh, Isaiah 66, 9. You're going to see a promise of the Lord here that has, has helped me to understand the Lord. When God starts something, he'll finish. Uh, will I bring a baby? This is, what, this is what the word of the Lord says. The prophet said about God. Will I, God saying, will I bring a baby to the point of birth and not deliver it? In other words, when God says, I birth something within you, will I do it? Yes, I will do it. But you can't rationalize and make it happen. A spiritual thing has to be done by the Spirit, says the Lord. Or will who, or will I who deliver close the womb, says your God. When God says something, he is going to do it. But here's what the enemy wants to do right now. The enemy in this room wants to devour our faith. And don't think for a moment that the enemy does not want to destroy us in the sense that, yes, I know he wants to kill, but the way to kill, the only way for our death to happen is for us to have lack of faith. The enemy wants to devour faith. First Peter 5 eight talks about this. You're going to see this up here. He says, be sober, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring what, saints? Now, Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, so you can kind of get the, the opposing imagery here. But he says, a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. We understand that a roaring lion is a dying lion. A roaring lion roars, so it freezes its prey, so it has time to get it, because he physically can't get there. And what he's trying to devour is eventually us. But what he wants from us right now is to destroy your faith. He wants you not to believe that God sees you. Because if you believe God sees you, then you believe that God knows what you don't have and that you can trust that he will give you what you need and that he will rescue you no matter where you are. And God wants to do those things. But everything is activated by faith. He wants to devour our faith. Look at the next verse. It's interesting here. He says, resist him and be firm in what? But that's because that's what he's trying to devour. He's trying to get you and I not to trust the Lord. What did he do to Eve? Will you really die if you eat from this fruit? No, you're, you will be like God. Your eyes will be open, and you will know the difference between good 
and evil. Why would you want to know evil when God walked with them in the cool of the day and all you knew was good? He wants to devour your faith. He wants your faith and he's going to try and chip away at everything he can. And every time God delays something in your life, you and I receive it as a deny and we think God is not good enough to come through on his promise. Looking forward is the most, listen, if you don't want, the easiest, the easiest thing to do in this world is to walk a life that does not honor Jesus. Wear the clothes you want to wear, be as stinky as you want to be, be as rude as you want to be, eat as much as you want to be. Oh, sweet Jesus. Be as rude, be unkind, be me. That's the easy life. But looking forward, being a Christian, that's the hardest thing ever to do. To follow Jesus, to resist the enemy's lies. The lies are, you'll never be pregnant. You'll never have this. You'll never have that. You're not going to be good enough. All these lies to resist him and be firm in the faith. How do we do that? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 tells us, and I, and I love in 1 Peter 1, 5, how he begins to relate that. He says, blessed is the God our Father. Excuse me, verse 5. Well, that's okay, Gary. I'll take that. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> you are being protected by God's power through what? And that's what the enemy wants you to think. He will not protect you. He will not protect you. The enemy wants you to, to doubt God now. He wants you to doubt him. And he's going to continually attack you and I at that level. Sarah was there. Abram was there. They didn't pray. They didn't sacrifice. They just went and did it. And look what it caused. And it not only caused devastation between them. I mean, we can go back. Go back to, uh, uh, I love this, in Genesis 16. Go back to, go back to uh, verse uh, 5. Verse 5, he says in Genesis 16, that Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. Is there, look at the problem in the marriage. I have put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. There's that, there's that, what she's, how she's treating me like the world. May the Lord judge between you and me. What? Verse 6. I'm going to put verse 6 in, in my own words. Abraham replied to Sarah, it's your fault. <laughs> you brought this on yourself. <laughs> All right, here's what he says. Here, your slave is in your hands. Not my problem. <laughs> you know what he's saying? It's not my problem now, Sarah. It's all you. You do what you want to do. You see, again, where's prayer? Where's sacrifice? Nothing. Do whatever you want with her. And then Sarah mistreated her mistress so much that she ran away from her. But here's what I want you to know. That trusting God, trusting that God sees means he knows what we're going through. Let's go down to verse 7. Look at verse 7. This is powerful. The angel of the Lord what does it say? What's the next word? The angel of the Lord, what? When God sees you, he will find you. Rest in that today. God will find you. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. Listen, I, I'm, I'm concerned that we're apathetic. What I mean by that is that, is that apathetic means we don't have, feel any emotions. We don't feel any desire. We're just kind of going through life. It's the next thing. I got this. I'll break it down for like, like in student language. Oh, I've got this uh, next week's midterm week, so I've got midterms, I've got tests, or maybe I just came out of that, and I'm just not feeling a whole lot, and I just go to the next thing, into the next thing, into the next thing. We're missing the Lord. We're missing the Lord. We become apathetic, and all we do is do and do and do, and now you got a pile of doo-doo. <laughs> so you're like, we just said doo-doo, doo-doo. 
way up there in some other universe, some multiverse that we can't see in the sense that he can't find us. He will find us because he rescues us. And so we see this in this passage. Let's keep reading. This is just so good. He found a, a spring in the desert. It was the spring that it was beside the word of the shore. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, why have you come from, uh, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah answered. In other words, God's going to stop us in our running. Then the angel of the Lord said, uh, told her, look what he says to her. I don't like this verse. I don't like it at all. Because you wouldn't know why, it screams against everything our flesh says. I'm just sick and tired of this. I'm out, God. I'm out. And God says, no, you're not. You're not out yet. Because of a promise that has to be fulfilled. And if you leave and you run away and you think you're going to get credit for the promise, God said, I'm the only one who's going to get credit for the promise. Because I'm going to make sure that Sarah's womb is so dead that all people have to say it has to be. That's why there's a delay. So that there will be no mistake who gets the credit. You must go back to your mistress. And what did he say when he saw her? Submit to her what? I just want to pronounce this over us. In this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. Who overcame it? Follow him, you'll overcome it. Verse 10. This is just, man, this is so rich. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will greatly, but in the middle, in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of all this, look what God says. God says, I'm just not going to let you suffer and just so, oh, well, I want you to suffer so somebody else can be blessed. He says, in the middle of your suffering, God will multiply something in us. There are blessings deep in you. For somebody else. But God says, stay in with it. Hang with it. I'm sorry that you're Tessa Hart. I'm sorry that your life, you feel like you wasted your life. I am sorry that you've been alone. I am sorry. Stay in it because when that person comes into your life and you're alone, then you will know and everybody else will know it is God. I will greatly multiply your offspring and they will be too many to count. She also receives the blessing of Abraham, doesn't she? Because she was willing to submit to Abraham. You can't get the blessing of the Lord unless you submit to the Lord. So then the, the last thing that blew me away is that trusting God and a God who sees means that there's nowhere I can't go that he can't find me, that he can't see me, that he can't comfort me. Look back in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar. That word found means meeting. He came and met with us. He wants to meet with us right now. He wants to meet with us now. But where did he meet? Where did he meet her? Look what it says in the passage there. It says, near a spring. I love this. In the what, saints? Sometimes looking forward can lead you to a wilderness. But God will find us. Remember, Satan wants to devour. And we're going to land the plane with this. Satan wants to devour your faith. Everything is about attacking your faith. Everything is about faith. In the Lord, because God is God and we are not, and He's going to do what He wants to do. The question is, do we believe it? Do we believe in the promises of God? And here's what's going to happen What happens? What happens with our faith? He wants to devour our faith. Who is going to rescue us from this faith? The same person who rescued Peter from the faith. 
Same person who rescued Peter from Satan when he wanted to do this. Luke 22, 31 through 32. Look at this passage because I think you'll see that it's rich in, in what it says in the Gospel of Luke, uh, verses 22, uh, 31 through 32. You're going to see what happens when Satan wants to do something, when Jesus steps in. And we know even in Romans that Jesus steps in and intercedes for us. So look with this. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to what? I don't really understand deceive. I don't if that's a correct way to say it. I don't really understand how it's pressed through. But I, I love what John Piper uses the analogy of like, like here's Satan, here's the sieve, and what what Satan wants to push Peter through the sieve, and out comes Satan's. I mean, out comes Peter's faith. So all that's left is Peter with no faith. He wants to put you in a place, and it could be here. Let's tell the truth, shame the devil. It could be right here. Where you're in a place where there's pressure, that's going to come following the Lord, where there's pressure, and he wants to push out all of our faith. This, all this left is Peter's. He says, Satan has asked to sift you like we look at verse 32. This is what I love about it. He goes, but I have prayed for you that what might not fail, you tell me. I didn't hear you what? Now let me ask you a question. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? But did his faith fail? See, there's a difference between F-E-L-L -L and F-A-I-L. F-E-L-L -L and F. -E -L -L. A-I-L. And the difference is in the vowel. And the difference is in the letter I. When I put myself in a situation, I will F-A-I-L. But when Christ is in me and I F-E-L-L, -L, though a righteous man may fall seven times, the Bible says he will get back up. Because Jesus has interceded already before we enter into the place where we might fail in a weak moment, but we will not be a failure to God. God would not let Peter, he says, look what he says. He says, and you, when you have done what? Turn back, strengthen your brothers. You know how you know you haven't failed? F-A-I-L-E-D. You know how you know you haven't failed? Because you always turn back to Jesus. Today, some of you and I are going to go through situations where it's going to feel like you're sick. And God is saying, trust me. I see you. I know what you don't have. I can give you what you need, and I will rescue you. That's what it means to see. But do you believe? And by the way, even when you don't believe, I'm still interceding for you. With groanings, like the Spirit does in Romans 8, too deep for words in Romans 8. He's seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Today, maybe you not might, maybe you might want to just pray, God, help my unbelief. Help my help me, Lord. Help me understand exactly what you're trying. Lord, increase my faith. Help me understand. Guard me. Guard my faith because here's what's going to happen. The enemy is going to attack our faith. That's all he wants. He just wants you to destroy your faith in Christ. That's why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. 
Because that's where the battle lies. And so here we see that if we don't fight for faith, we're going to get ahead of God. And when we get ahead of God, we're rationalizing how God is going to fulfill his promises. When God makes a promise, he's the only one who can do it, not us. So if God didn't bring you a wife, God doesn't bring you that job. God doesn't bring you that need. It might not last. But with God, all things are possible. Father, that is my prayer today. That we fight the good fight of faith. Pray, Lord, for everyone in this room. Maybe they just want to come and kneel and just in front of you and say, Lord, I'm asking. I need faith. Or maybe they're in a place, Lord, help my unbelief. Maybe they're just in a place, Lord, because the enemy just wants to put us in such pressure where he takes out our faith. But God, you renew our faith day by day. You strengthen us. You're the one who will rescue us. You're the one who will take care of us. Lord, I, I don't know. I don't know what everybody's going through. I have no idea, but I do know this. I know the one who will carry them through. So I pray today, Lord, please, in this room, for us to look forward, it is going to take faith. It is going to take that we don't rationalize. It's going to take we, us not getting ahead. So, Lord, I don't know what people in here need to pray about. That, Lord, they want to get ahead. They want to get ahead. They want to get ahead. And, 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 uh, and sometimes we can get ahead of you. And so, Lord, I pray today that our faith would override us trying to get ahead. Try, 